Hey everyone, this is James Mackey and welcome to the Breakthrough Hiring Show. Join us as we cover high-level thought leadership and step-by-step guides on how to make people a competitive advantage for your organization. I'm incredibly proud to be the CEO of Secure Vision, the sponsor of this show and the number one contract recruiting, embedded recruiting, and RPO firm. A thank you to our partners, Greenhouse, the hiring operating system for people-first companies, and GEM, the all-in-one hiring solution recruiters love. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Town Acquisition Trends and Strategy. I'm your host, James Mackey, and today we are joined by Jessica Mayo. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you here, and um, I've already really enjoyed kind of our prep call to, to the show, so I know we got some, some really cool topics to dive into today. Um, before we do, uh, could you please just give us a little bit of insight uh, into your background and um, the town acquisition org you're currently running, just so we can understand your perspective and where you're coming from in this conversation. Yeah, sure. So um, I have been in town acquisition almost 20 years. I started in the staffing world uh, at Robert Half was my first uh, foray into that area and just fell in love with recruiting and town acquisition. I love it. It's exactly where I was meant to be. Um, it's super fun and interesting and challenging. So um, it's great. Uh, I work right now for a consulting firm called RGP. We're a global organization. Um, we have about 5,000 uh, employees total, including our um, consultants, and uh, work with 2,400 or so clients globally. We are a human capital firm that help clients connect with um, the right talent at the right time. So we support them around project-based work in accounting and finance and supply chain, human capital, information management, those um, sorts of, of areas. It's a very flexible model and our consultants really enjoy the work because they are able to kind of author their career and, and there's a lot of choice involved in it, which is um, really very interesting to people, especially nowadays and, and seems to be a big driver for why people want to join the organization. For sure, for sure. And, and y'all are publicly traded, right? We are. Yep. We are okay. publicly traded. We've had, um, I think like six quarters in a row of, of growth and are in nice. a really good, good place right now. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, so, so yeah, I really want to talk to you about return to office. Um, that's something that's really, I don't know, coming, uh, coming to the surface right now. There's certainly a lot of news about it. I don't know how many companies are really doing it, or if it's one of those things where we're just seeing like a big splash in the news or they'll like headline something that doesn't necessarily represent <laughs> yeah. the majority of the market, um, just kind of like LinkedIn news and layoffs. But uh, anyways, yeah, I think it's, it's, we are starting to see more of it for sure. Right. And we start to see like, you know, Apple's taking heat um, right now, tech workers are kind of fighting back, which I feel like tech workers are going to fight back more than the general uh, population because they're just so in demand and unemployment's like 1.7% for tech. So they they kind right. of have that leverage to do so. But um, you know, Goldman Sachs just came out saying that they're requiring 100% back in office. Um, so it's something that we're seeing and and um there there are some stats and some studies that are pointing to to benefits of in office, which we can also get into. But uh I, I just wanted to to kind of get your high level philosophy on um return to office, what you're thinking, and then um, what do you think most companies' strategies should be when thinking about this topic? So I'll, I'll kind of hand it over and, and we can just kind of flow in back and forth, but curious yeah. to get your thoughts here. Yeah, that sounds good. So to go to what you asked first, like, is it really happening or is it, you know, just a bunch of media hype? It is absolutely happening. A lot of companies are asking people back to work. You know, I would say the um, 
what we have seen as far as our clients asking back continually, the reason that my organization has to go out and find new consultants is because we don't have enough people that are willing to go on site for the client demand. So at the end of the day, there are a lot of clients asking for it, but there are still a tremendous amount of people out there that are allowing at minimum hybrid, but really still 100% remote, lots and lots and lots of companies offering 100% remote. So, um, you know, what we what we really see in our talent base and what I see from the articles that I read and, and everything out there on it is that people really want flexibility. You know, we all went home during COVID, right? And we all did our jobs and everything went great. And now these people, the CEOs, the organization, the corporate, whoever wants people back and they're not willing to go back. They, they've gotten used to putting their kid on the bus in the morning and going and working out at lunch and getting all of their work done with a much better work-life balance. And they're just simply not willing to give it up again. So, you know, I know personally myself, I'm not going to work in the office five days a week. I live in a suburb. I would have to commute in. My office here in the Houston market is about a 45 minute commute and good traffic. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to drive that every day ever again. So I'll I'll go in for like lunch or a happy hour or, you know, brunch or some other event that's fun and, and interesting and collaborative. And that's what we really see. We see a lot of people when they, when they want to come in, they want to come in for culture. They want to come in for collaboration. They want to come in for that sort of thing. In fact, I don't know if I made this up or if somebody told me it, but at RGP, we're like, stay home for the work, come in for the culture. So it's really like, don't come in and sit in your office and sit on meetings all day. That you can do that at your house. Come in if you're going to be able to communicate and join up with people and really collaborate and, and get that that thing that you can't get sitting in your office at home. But Jessica, the, the issue is that Forbes just published an article saying that research has demonstrate, demonstrated if we don't have adequate face-to-face time, we experience declines in well-being, increases in disease, and reduced lifespans. This is Forbes' article explaining why people should go back in office, by the way. Uh, they recently published. <laughs> Technology helps us connect, but is inadequate because we can't read nonverbal cues as well as we can't read in a person. I feel like that's a really weird point to put back to back to reducing lifespans. Like they just kind of like, they just claim it's reducing lifespans then immediately go into like nonverbal cues. Like it just seems like totally like, okay, if it really reduces lifespan, why are you saying anything else? Like, why is it cool? So this, this is for Forbes said literally uh, less than uh, like a month or two ago and, and, and you know, t- talking about this topic topic. So it's just kind of weird because I don't see it that way at all. As you mentioned, people have more flexibility to work out. Um, they're, they're spending less time sitting, commuting in the car. Um, they're spending more time being able to do things that they want, work on hobbies, getting that time back, interacting with family, talking mm-hmm. about face-to-face time. They have more face-to-face time with their kids. Like I just Absolutely. find this, this article pretty I mean, I'm not saying there aren't any benefits to an office. So I'm not trying to slam it. I just find this. Uh, there are. There there are great benefits yeah. to being in office. And I and I think clients generally, you know, not they're not all Goldman Sachs saying we want people back five days a week, although there are people like that. And in fact, here in the Houston market, you know, we have some oil and gas companies that have had people back five days a week for a year and a half, two years, you know, but they also have tremendous turnover because people just they have options and they want flexibility. Right. And they want, they want that choice. They want to be able to work 
with purpose and they want to, like I said, they want to come in when it's meaningful and when it's important and when there's a benefit to it, they don't just want to sit there. You know, I have a girlfriend of mine that works for an oil and gas company. She literally, their rule is like, if anybody's on video, then they all have to be in their offices for like the meeting. They can't like be in a conference room while some people are on video. So if, if, and some people work here and there, whatever. Anyway, half the time she literally sits in her office on a Zoom meeting with other people that are in the office. And it's just bananas. <laughs> like yeah. she drove 30 minutes to do that. You know, she could do that at her house. And yeah, that's bad. That's bad leadership. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I don't get know. it. I yeah, don't either. Goldman's it's it's kind of nuts though. Like they're, you know, they're, I guess they're also getting heat for lifting all COVID protocols. Um, which some people are are upset about, right? Um, yeah. And they're just saying that the risk of severe illness is is significantly less. Um, but they're just saying that they want to lead the charge in full return to office. Um, yeah. So that's that's just interesting. Um, it's a brave it's a brave move on their part. I'll give them that. You know, I right. I, I think right now we're having a a power. Um, play a struggle between the employer and the employee that we've literally never experienced. The person with the power has always been the employer in the history of time. It's always been the employer. But but now there is a talent shortage. It is even with this economic downturn, I said I wasn't going to use the R word. So, um, <laughs> you know, with whatever's happening with the economy, there's still a labor shortage. There are still nearly two jobs available for every person that's looking for work. So it's just, there, there are not enough people out there. So it's a bold move to say, we want people back in five days a week when the employee has very clearly said, we're not interested in that as a whole. Right. Well, so, what's, what's really interesting about it is that I feel like employers are thinking to themselves, like they've been so fed up with all the you know, needing to convert to such an employee-driven market over the past couple of years that I think some CEO, CEOs behind the scenes are kind of like saying like, you know, F you 25-year-old, we want you to, you <laughs> We're know- We're taking our power back. Yeah. And, and I think it, they're, they're miscalculating because basically what they're, they're saying is, okay, now the market conditions, markets are contracting, so the power is coming back right. to us, but- we're looking That's at the situation. What statistics are saying, yeah, right. I mean, we're looking at a situation with the economy that we literally have not seen before. If we're in a recession, it's unlike, you know, anything else we've ever seen because of unemployment rates. I think at a macro level in the U.S., three point something right. in tech, one point seven as of July. Right. So it's it's just not like what we've seen in the past. Um, so unless you're gonna like truly just increase salary significantly more than the uh, market average where you can provide people, I would say 30% plus of what they're going to get anywhere else. It's it's just not going to be an effective strategy. And I'm wondering if it's like, remember in 2020 when people were trying to return to the office too soon and yeah. there was all this back and forth of like, no, we're going to return to the office in October. Oh wait, we're going to return to the office in November. And they just did that. And then their employees were just like, this is dumb. We're just going to go work somewhere else. Yeah. I'm wondering if if that's going to kind of happen here where they're going to like end up backpedaling and saying, okay, maybe not full-time, maybe part-time or, hey, maybe, you know, like, and just start, because I wonder if it's just, it's really aggressive to go from full remote to full in office. It really is. That's why I said, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's brave. It's, it's definitely an, a bold choice. So we will see how it plays out for them. You know, financial services is one of our largest industries that we support at RGP. And so we work with Goldman. We work with several other large companies like them. They're the first to make that strong of a stance. 
we work with a lot of high tech companies on the West coast too. And I had said probably like two months ago, I was like, they're going to have to get a conglomeration of all of them together and, and be like, look, if you want to work in financial services, you got to be on site to make this work. It can't just be just Goldman because you know, who's going to pick them up all the other financial services companies that aren't making them be on site. will be like, Ooh, right. This is our opportunity <laughs> call on Goldman's people because they still want the flexibility and the choice. And there's still options. There's tons of opportunity out there for, for good sure. talent, especially in professional services. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I know, and and definitely in tech, uh, return to office is getting a lot, a lot of heat. Like there yeah. is significant pushback um, from people in the tech industry right now. So I think uh, you're right. Unless everybody, employers, kind of unify uh, and say that this is this is the way it's going to be. And I don't, I honestly, I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't I either. Really, I, I really don't because I mean, enough companies are going to be like. This is I, I use this as a, as an advantage. Right. And basically, what these tech companies have then is just saying like, our mission is such, our brand and our mission is you know we're changing the way the world does X, right? Right. And so that's how they they have to find. And honestly, I feel like there is a segment of the market that will buy into that. Like, there's people who want to work for Tesla or SpaceX or you know or or, or Apple, right? I mean, there's just people that are going to be inspired by that and they're going to be willing to make that sacrifice. So the reality is that these big tech companies, they don't have to appeal to everybody. Yeah. They have to appeal to a segment of the A-player market that will buy into that mission and that value, th- those values and that culture. So I think what's cool about it too is like, you don't have to be for everyone. You know, Apple could easily yeah. just say, we're not for everyone. If you want to be here, then you're doing the hybrid environment. This is what we're building. This is why we need you here. So I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to that. Um it's just an interesting, like, I, again, I, I do think hybrid is is definitely preferable to full-time because again, like people, at, you know, as you said, like they want flexibility, right? Like I kind of like coming into the office occasionally, you, do. But, you know, I don't want to be there. I don't like ha- needing to be somewhere at like, you know, 830 in the morning, right? Just because. <laughs> That's you know? exactly what I told somebody. I was like, I would even come in maybe as much as like, one day a week, that's probably, pushing it. <laughs> yeah, but, that's but maybe one day a week, if I didn't have like a time I had to be there, you know, I'm not going to be there at eight 30, but maybe if I could roll in about 10 and maybe like I have a break between meetings between two and three, and I could drive home during that time, you know, like maybe that would work for me. But, um, you know, that just doesn't work with my particular calendar and the way I structure my day. So I do try and go in. I I don't, I lead a team of um, talent acquisition people for all of North America. And mm-hmm. so I don't actually have anybody that reports to me that sits in Houston anymore. So like I used to go in sometimes to have my one-on-ones and we would have our one-on-ones every um, other week and we would go to lunch and we would have that time together. And I valued that. And so did my employee. And you know, I think there is a lot to be said for that. And like our Dallas office, we have a lot of talent people there that sit in the Dallas market. And so they do get together more regularly. Cause again, it makes sense. Right. If, if you can, if it makes sense, I'm here for it. Like, let's get together. I love person in pe- in person interaction. Like I love it, but like not to just sit in meetings all day or not to like work on spreadsheets. Like there's so many things that are not conducive to that. And not, it's not necessary. And People have discovered that and they don't want to do it anymore. You know, yeah. I read some article yesterday or something that was talking about Gen Z, especially. 
And this person was talking about how they really enjoy a hybrid workforce, a workplace, because they're like, I really want to be around other people and I want to do all that. And they were like, but man, I can't imagine having to commute five days a week. Like, how did people do that before COVID? Because they had like only come into work. They graduated like during COVID. And they were like, how did that work? <laughs> right. Know? Why would you live your life this way? Um, yeah, totally. But why? <laughs> yeah. I. So it's funny. So I, I'm, I'm reading this Forbes article some more and it says, Research from MIT found when people were in physical proximity, they were three times as collaborative and saw greater output in academic papers and patents. Um, Harvard found when researchers were in close, closer proximity, their academic papers were higher quality. Um, so so the, the whole idea of like- so academia, academia needs right, to be- Right, right. How is together. that the same as, as like- I, I, Yeah, but I, so I think like the underlying point would just be collaboration, creativity- yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Are you buying it? Like, what are your thoughts? So, so, I mean, I don't think it's bad for your health to work remotely. Uh, no, I do not. Cognitive no. decline. That's, that's what, that's what this article, you're, we are going to die sooner because, right, because we, we're all working right. from home. Uh, no, I, I don't believe that at all. I mean, right. personally, are they getting that data where like there hasn't been enough time? There hasn't even been enough well, it's people been like to two die. Years. Are they, I don't know. I don't want to appear. As, how are they getting that data? I don't, are they correlating it with, I don't know. I'm not even, I I can't imagine. I have no idea. I don't know. I I don't know. Me personally, like, you know, some of the best things that came out of, of coming home to work for COVID was I have a, I have a young child. And prior to that, I mean, I left the house before she was awake. I came home. I spent like one hour with her before she went to bed. That was my entire time with my child. Now I literally walk her to the, I get up with her in the morning I make her breakfast. We walk to the bus stop. I see her get on the bus every day for school. Half the time I get her off the bus with my husband. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I talk to her about her day, you know, those little like 10 minute, like even when I get her off the bus and come back here, I still have work after that. But that 10 minutes of me seeing her and talking to her and all that, like game changer for me. Yeah, I I love it. I mean, I, you know, I drive my daughter to and from uh, her little Montessori school every day. Uh, she's three. She turns three next month, oh, and it it's like you can look at it. You can look at that time as this is just like transactional kind of like grunt work or whatever you want to call. It. Like, oh, we just have to drive the you know drive your kid to school. Like, is that really special? Like, yes, that's it it, is. It's, very, it's that's that's yes because it it's like special. those little moments like of, yep. you know you don't have unlimited time, right? So it's 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 just being there and being present. You know, is is so important. And I, yep. I think, you know, one of, one of the like things I think there's some validity to, um, is from a relationship building perspective, um, yep. there, there's, it, it changes that, uh, work, remote work changes that in good and bad ways. I think in good ways, okay. it probably does. There's probably less bias. If, you know, somebody has a stronger in-person relationship, uh, there was plenty of studies that said that they were going to be more likely to receive a promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it kind of levels the playing field when everybody's remote. It's, it shouldn't be you know, this kind of, um, you know, based on friendship or based on the concept of like a work family or anything, it should be based right. on performance metrics that are clearly defined um, as and, and, and clearly defined a career progression. You know, I think the downside, though, is is maybe a little less empathy, right? If, if you don't have those relationships in place, maybe it's like uh, if you're if you're not seeing people in person, the relationships aren't as deep. I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like empathy might take a hit? Don't, you know, I have so enjoyed, and I may be in the minority here. I know people are like, you're dumb, but 
I have loved like the peek at people's personal lives that we have had with this virtual world that we never had before. You know, it's not unusual for my kid to get off the bus and come in here and talk to me for a minute and give me a hug and say hi to people on the screen. Or, you know, I have a very old cat and a very old dog and it's super common that they're here with me. And, and I love that. And I think that that allows me to connect with my team differently than I did before. Same thing. I see their families, I see their kids, you know, I know them in a way that I knew them in a different way before. It wasn't like I didn't know things about them, but I, you know, maybe hadn't met their children. And, and especially we have started hiring, which has been great. No matter where somebody sits, it doesn't matter, especially in the talent organization or GP, they can, they can really be anywhere. And so, you know, we have hired people that we would have never been able to hire before because we don't have a, an actual physical office there. And so I would have never met that person in, in person. And I feel like I right. do want to meet them and connect with them on a day-to-day basis. And, and, you know, I feel like that's a, that's a huge benefit of this type of interaction. The culture is changing, right? I mean, that's, that's, so that's a really excellent point. Cause like you could argue, well, less deep relationships would mean, you know, maybe less empathy, but the reality is that we are seeing a lot more of people's personal lives. Like we, yeah. you know, at first is that my company secure vision, we have like a random Slack channel where people are constantly posting things, not just that they're doing on the weekend, but like throughout the week with their kids, right. their dogs, their cats, yeah, you know, whatever. And, and you're seeing a lot more like culturally, there's a shift where it's like, this integration between our personal and professional lives on a yep. whole new level. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. And so that creates like, I know, like I know more about uh, my, my team. I mean, so I think, I think that that's definitely, that makes a yeah, lot of sense like, to me. I feel like the work life balance has shifted a lot more to the life, which is, I mean, probably how it should be. Right. Like, and, and certainly um, my knowledge of people doesn't just exists with their work and is a lot more personal than it ever was before. And, and that's been, been really fun. And I think has uh, created stronger relationships with my team um, that doesn't sit right next to me. You know, those people I knew well already, but, but. This right. You know, and it's just like these people that are saying like face-to-face interaction, it's like, well, what about like face-to-face interaction with your kids? <laughs> like, what about your kids' ability to see you? Do you don't think that that has an impact on their development? I, I could like, not agree more with that. I mean, come we, on. So RGP, we are big time. Um, there's a lot of women here, a lot of working parents, not just working moms, but a lot of working moms. Our CEO is a working mom. Our CFO is a working mom. Our SVP of talent. I mean, we just we just have a lot of women in leadership roles and a lot of working parents. And that has been one of the things. In fact, one of the guys on the talent team today posted about how he was, he had a sick baby at home today. And like people on his, one of his calls were like, you know, how's your daughter? How's everything? And he's like, man, it feels good to work somewhere that cares about me versus just that. But, you know, I, I feel really lucky to have that kind of blend and, and be able to work when I'm working and be really committed to that and successful at that. But also like, have my time with my family and my daughter and go and do PTA stuff at her school, which I could have never done before because I was an hour in the city, you know? Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. It's just, uh, I, and I think that that's, that's why, like, I don't, I, the other aspect too, is like a reason I don't think companies are going to unify for this is because I don't think every executive wants this. I think there's, there's plenty of executives that, I mean, for instance, like for, for my company, now granted it's a smaller company, uh, than a lot of the, uh, obviously these big tech companies and whatnot. Sure. 
but you know, I don't want to pay for these big office spaces. You know, I don't, I would rather reallocate that toward the salaries of my employees so I can attract top talent or retain top talent, or I'd rather put that toward demand gen efforts, right. Or, you know, getting it, you know, stuff for the podcast and promoting it. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that is value creating investments that I can use that money for. And and then I'm also creating more value for the families of employees. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think you could get like across an entire industry, all the executives on board because, so. yeah. you know what I mean? I think that that's another I, thing working in place. I think that's what it would take, honestly, to really see a giant shift. I think it would take like all of them basically coming together and saying that because I've used this, this analogy several times in the past. So if you used to live in like a smaller city and, and, you know, you were a good company to work for in that small city, you got the best of the best people to work for you in that city, you know, because everybody wanted to work there because it was the best place to work. So, you know, the, the talent competition for you, not super strong as a, as a CEO of that company, right? Mm. Well, now those people have access to the best of the best everywhere. They can work anywhere. So that is a benefit to them. Certainly. It also allows that company that, company in the smaller city to pull the best of the best from other places and to create opportunities where maybe they didn't exist before. And I I just think that there's enough people from both a client perspective and the the talent that really want to keep that flexibility and those options and and that choice there that is just, it's just going to be you know, the cat's out of the bag, right? On how awesome right. it is. <laughs> it's not going to be easy to shove it back in. It's not. And, but I will say the other factor is, is the unemployment rate, right? Like unemployment super low right now that gives employees, which I think is kind of a potentially an issue with the companies that are being too strict on return to offices that I think there should be consideration for an unemployment rate when, when making these types of decisions. And I, I would. I just find it a little bit odd to take a really hard stance on this when unemployment's like, you know, pretty much the lowest it's ever been. So <laughs> yeah. I think you know, look, if we were looking at like a five six percent unemployment rate, right? You know, then then employers really do have more power to say like you're coming in office, like. But but now it's just it's odd, right? It's odd to. Yeah, the timing time to take it, odd. Yeah. You know, May- Govan is probably banking on the fact that there is this economic downturn and um, that that that's going to push the same general things that it usually does, which is unemployment up and, you know, people looking um, for a big established name like a Goldman to work for if they are making yeah. changes. And, and, and there is something to be said for that. You know, I mean, some people do really want that that, um, you know, strength of of a name like that. But really, I mean, what we have found as a firm is that more and more and more people aren't as impressed by that sort of thing anymore as far as like, you know, it's still a resume builder, right? It still looks good. But what they really want is they want purposeful work. They want interesting work. They want projects that are meaningful and that add to their skill set and give them that, that, um, ability to feel successful at what it is and where it is, isn't as important, especially with our work. We, we work with lots and lots of very big companies. We work with like, um, 85% of the fortune 100 companies. So we work with a lot of big names. Um, but people really like our model because they're able to 
come in and do cool projects and then like leave and go do another cool project somewhere else. And so that flexibility and that choice and all of that really plays a big part of why they choose to work for us. And they get to kind of have the best of both those worlds. For sure. Well, I'd really love to speak with uh, the the chief revenue officer at your company. Yeah. Just be so cool. 85% of fortune 100. Yep. I want to learn how to do that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, he's uh, his name. Well, so we have a, 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 a SVP of, of revenue named Scott McGuire. And then our COO is named Tim Brackney. And he is an awesome guy. Great. Just super, super sales guy and really awesome person. Genuinely good dude. So yeah, uh, it's, it's really incredible. Connect with either one of them. They're great guys. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Um, yeah, one of the coolest conversations I ever had just on that, I um, had a chance to speak with the first chief sales officer of Accenture. Um, oh, cool. A few months ago. Um, and it was just nuts because if you think about Accenture, it's like 50, 60,000 employees, I think, or maybe, no, actually, yes. wait, they're, probably more than that. Probably way more than that. Let me check it out real fast. I think I got, and they might be in the hundreds of thousands now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm, that was totally off. I'm sorry. I meant 500 to 600,000, okay. not 50 to 60. Yeah, I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, so it's basically like a small country. <laughs> right. And so just like the idea of being a C-level executive at a company that has like 600,000 employees and also they're growing like 20% year over year. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like, how, how are you doing that? <laughs> teach me your ways. Like that's, you know, um, but it's, it's so, it's so drastically different than like a small bit, you know what I mean? It's just, it's yeah. just so high level. Uh, but that was just incredible to see people yeah. that are operating at like that level is pretty nuts. Yeah. You know, I think I think a big um, when I think of like thinking about RGP's success and what we do and what we do well, I think one of the things we do really well is we we know what we do and mm-hmm. we try and really stay in the fair way of what we do. So we're not like just searching out business and anything. We try and really stay there. And so um, I think another interesting, impactful statistic is like we have had. Um, our top 100 clients, 75% of them have stayed over the past five years. So when we get in businesses, like they stay with us year after year because we tell them what we're going to do. We do what we say, you know, we operate with integrity. Our consultants are really, really good at what they do. Our people are good. Back to basics. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's it's not rocket science. (laughs) Right. Right. It's the rocket science is being able to do that well at scale. Like that's, Yes. That's the heart. It's like the the hands-on part. Like it's, yeah, it's like you have to figure out that's where you need those smart operations people to figure out sure. okay, how do we have consistency across the board, across all these different divisions and customers and segments. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Which has really been Fascinating. one of the things, RGP, we have grown tremendously over the past several years, but we're, we're like really aiming hard at a billion dollar organization and we're over 800,000. We came from like 600,000 recently. So we're growing at a good pace. But it has been really interesting to figure out how to do the stuff that we do really well and do it at scale. It's been quite um, a fun challenge to to undertake. Very, very cool. And I actually, I just remember the name of the chief sales officer at Accenture for anybody listening, John Walsh, uh, chief sales officer at Accenture. So make sure to follow him on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, there uh, you go. Incredibly sharp. Um but anyways, yeah, this is, uh, Jessica, this has been a really, really great conversation. I think this is probably a good stopping point because we're going to be coming up on time since I don't want to just like, you know, be rushed and jump into something else and need to stop. So um, I just wanted to say thank you for for joining us today. 
And and for anybody listening that wants to engage with you, follow you online, where where should they look for you? So I'm on LinkedIn, um, Jessica Mayo. You can just look me up there. And um, our RGP website's careers.rgp.com. Love it. Love it. And for everybody else tuning in, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Breakthrough Hiring Show. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and gained a lot of valuable insights to help guide your talent strategy. I also want to say thank you to my team at Secure Vision for making the show possible. Secure Vision is the number one embedded recruitment provider, and we are a three-time category leader on G2. Secure Vision partners with over 150 companies to provide on-demand recruiters who specialize in either tech, revenue, or GNA. For more information, you can visit securevision.io. For more content, you can follow me on LinkedIn at James Mackey or on Twitter at James Mackey DMV. We've dropped links in the description. If you want to be on our show or have any topics you'd like for us to cover, reach out at breakthroughhiring.io. We really appreciate your support with reviews on Apple Podcasts. And lastly, make sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for a new episode. See you next time.